All right, here's my question for you. When's the last time you had a relevant one-on-one conversation with somebody? Like you put your phone down. If it buzzed, you didn't touch it. All right, you had the screen down so you couldn't see it when it like You know, your phone is like a, a two-year-old who is constantly trying to get attention. Hey, Dad, ooh, me, hey, hey, yeah, that's what your phone is doing. When was the last time you put it in your pocket and it's not vibrating, you're not thinking about, you're just like one-on-one talking with somebody. Like, you talk and they listen. They're not distracted, they're not talking. They look you in the eye, they talk, and you listen. Like, that is extraordinarily rare. And, and it occurred to me this week that that, environment that we're just all engulfed in. It is the most distracting environment in the world. I mean, like ADD, attention deficit disorder, used to be like a real thing. Now it's like what we all have, right? I mean, if we're honest, we are all attention deficit. So in that environment, is it any wonder that it's so hard for us to stop and listen to God? My message today, I'm titling it, Learning to Listen. Because we just don't know how to listen. And I found a story I think is going to help you learn how to listen. In the Old Testament, there was a time um, just before Israel and and Judah are overrun and the temple is, is destroyed, there's a prophet named Habakkuk. And you can go ahead and start looking for uh, his name, his, his book of the Bible is going to take you a, a while. <laughs> it's just like two pages in there. And, and, but he writes and prophesies and, and he talks about, you know, what he thought God would be doing and really why God's not doing that. It's a real short uh, you know, three, three chapters, but it's mostly prayers. And really of the prayers, it's mostly complaints. And, and you know, really, if you think about it, it's really hard to love someone, even the creator of the universe, if you're harboring ill will against that person, or if you're not being honest about how you feel with that person. So Habakkuk just does it. He just lays it out there. He's like, God, you didn't do what you said you're going to do. I don't feel like you're doing what I thought you're going to do. And when you're in a place where you believed one thing of God and you experienced something else of God, sometimes that's hard to deal with. And so probably a lot of us have prayed prayers that are more like, you know, complaints. And that's what uh, Habakkuk did. But the amazing thing is what he did next. He he stopped and he listened. You know, most of us, like our prayer list is like, God, this is not happening right. And I don't know when you're going to come through on this and please take care of this in Jesus name. Amen. And then we go do what we just asked God to do. I'm getting real good. Pay attention. Like we just asked God to do something, but we really don't trust him. So we don't rest and relax in his presence and believe he's going to do it. We say, amen. And then we go do it for him right? Watch what this guy does. It's going to blow your mind. Habakkuk chapter one, he gives all his complaints, his prayer requests, whatever he wants to call them. And then chapter two, he says this, verse one, I will stand at my watch and station myself over the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I'm to give to this complaint. He says, I'm going to stop everything I'm just going to see what God says. Now, have you ever had prayer sessions that were more like gripe sessions. See, the cool thing about uh, statements like that is you're just as quiet over the TV as you would have been if you had been here. You wouldn't have said amen to that either way. All right, so I'm just going to preach right on. Yeah, I've had those moments. I'm, I'm praying, but I'm really complaining. And, and I think that's okay. But maybe the reason why we're not getting any answers from God is we're not stopping and waiting on him. So what I want to do today, I'm going to give you a lot of stuff to write down. Please take out your phone and type in notes or grab a pen and notepad. I want you to write this stuff down. It's kind of a lot, all right? We'll leave it on the screen long enough for you to write it down. 
But here's a couple did you knows, all right? Did you know, number one, you can actually ask God anything you want? Anything you want. Now, write that down. Did you know you can actually ask God anything you want? Because a lot of people don't believe that. They think that asking God questions or questioning God in any way is disrespectful, that it's sinful, that it's wrong. You're not supposed to ask God. You know what you're supposed to do? You're just supposed to trust and obey. Don't question God, trust and obey. But what if you could trust and obey, but at the same time, you could empty your heart out to God? You could just share what you're going through. Actually, a lot of people in the Bible, a lot of godly people have done that. There have been places, in fact, I pulled a few of them out for you, where people who really love God said, God, what's going on here? Moses, he said, Lord, why have you brought all this trouble on us? Now, that's dangerous because Moses lived in a time God was like sending thunderbolts to people. You remember? Like he opened up a hole and just swallowed people one time. And he's like, God, what's up? You know? But it was okay. Gideon, man, a mighty young, like a young leader, full of God. And he asked God, why have you let all this happen to us? Naomi, one of the most godly women in the whole of Scripture, she said, God, I went out full of faith, and now I've come home empty. You did this to me. She's just opening up her heart. Job, was uh, the Bible called him the most godly man alive at the time that he lived. And he said, God, it feels like you've made me your target. Why? Why are you throwing the kitchen sink at me and everything else? David, a man after God's own heart, said, Lord, why do you keep hiding your face from me? I want to worship you. I can't find you. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, said, why is my pain perpetual and why is my wound incurable? And if you think that those are all just sinful people and they shouldn't have been questioning God, how about Jesus hanging on the cross when he looked up to the Father and says, why have you forsaken me? Let me tell you, if you, you're holding and bottling up questions and doubts and maybe even some angst against God, get alone in your prayer closet, air it out, talk to God, and then pause and listen to what he says. Maybe you need to even talk to a small group leader or godly friend in your life, or you need to talk to a pastor. But do me a favor, don't share it with the masses of Facebook because some of the worst theology I've ever heard in my life is on Facebook and everybody said, Amen. No, talk to God about it. Ask all your questions. Make all your complaints. And then do this. Psalm 46 and 10. I'm only going to read the first half. Be still. Everybody say those two words. Be still and know that I am God. So here's the second did you know. Write this down. Did you know you can ask God anything you want, but did you know you have to be still to get your answer? All right, some of you are getting antsy right now. You want to get up and go get you a snack? Be still. If you want to get an answer from God, you've got to learn. He says, be still, and you'll know that I am God. He didn't say, be busy and know that I am God, or be in a hurry or know that I am God, or just be hustling all the time and making it happen, and you'll know that I He said, be still. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, if we were voting on favorite Bible verses, this one's nowhere near the top of my list because I have never wanted to be still. Got a lot of paddlings in school when I was a kid because I couldn't be still, and I don't like to be still now, especially if like bad stuff is going down. If there's a lot of problems going down in the world, I, I, I want to get up and make, I want to fix things. I want to make stuff happen. It's not in my nature to sit around and wait. In fact, as I was writing this message, I looked and I saw this picture on my wall of my office this, uh, this, I don't know how well this will come across, but I literally took this off the wall of my office. 
I love this picture. It just kind of spoke to me when I was decorating my office several years ago because I like the phrase, make it happen. That kind of fits me. You know, don't sit around and wait on somebody to do it. You get up and do it. Make it happen. Hustle. Outwork the other guy. Outfight. Outtrust, you know. I want to be that guy that stares death in the face and I don't, I don't flinch, you know. That, that's who I want to be. But the beautiful thing about this picture is these guys aren't making it happen. I don't know how well you can see this again, but it's a, it's a relatively small sailboat in a hurricane. Literally, the waves are bigger than the whole boat. It looks like the waves about to flip this boat over. And these guys, I know sailors. I, I, I used to live in Bayou, Labatry, Alabama. Everybody there's a sailor except me. I was the preacher, okay? And those sailors, they make it happen, people. They hustle, they work. But this picture reminds me that no matter how much I want to make it happen, no matter how sure I am of my ability to hustle, at the end of the day, it's God's sea, you know? And I really have to trust that if it's going to happen, God's got to make it happen. I think God likes good work. You, I like, he likes hard work. You go look at the parable of the talents and tell me Jesus doesn't want us to work hard. Okay, he does. But I think I can work hard. I think I can try my best and at the same time realize that God is ultimately in control. And sometimes I just got to stop, listen, pause, reflect, and hear what he has to say. And, and although I don't, I admittedly don't like that. I don't like to be still. In the moments that my circumstances have convinced me to stop and just slow down and pray and just soak in his presence, God has become more real to me than I ever imagined. It reminds me of Job, a man who was very godly, but it was only after he went through hell that he said these words, Job 42 and 5, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. I'd like to tell you, you can get to that place where you go beyond, well, I, you know, I kind of read some stuff, but man, I know him now. I heard some singers that seemed like they knew him, but now I know him. That's the difference in you having a head knowledge of God and having a heart knowledge of God. And listen to me, it's a game changer when you get to that place. When you go past living you know, through your mom's relationship with God or your wife's relationship with God, and you have your own relationship with God, that's called lordship. Everybody say lordship. Lordship, knowing that he truly is the Lord. Knowing that, you know what, going back to my picture, that I could fall out of my ship, but I can't fall out of his sea. Think about that for a minute. You can fall out of your ship, but you can't fall out of his sea. That's the thing about falling out of the ship into the sea. It's his sea anyways. He's holding the whole world in his hands. And see, when we are so convinced that if I don't steer it just right, if I don't hit that wave just right, if I don't handle that problem just right, it's all going to fall apart. We, re we forget that if we do fall, we're going to land in his hands. You can fall out of your ship. You can't fall out of his sea. I want to give you three signs that you doubt the lordship of Christ. This is going to be kind of, ugh, this is going to be step on my toes moment, all right? So just get ready for it. Three signs that I doubt that God's really in control. Sign number one is I live in fear. My mind is filled with worst case scenarios. Oh, there's a sickness, I'm probably going to get it. Some people die, I'll be one of the 2%. You know, people are getting laid off, I'll be the first one to go. Some people can't pay their mortgage, I'm going to be evicted, right? You just always see, that. that's a sign that you're trusting in your ship, and not in his sea. Come on, somebody say amen. Second sign is I'm only at peace when I'm in control. 
I want to control everything. I want to control all the relationships. I want to control the finances. I want to have my hands on it and make sure I know what's going to go down. I want the job to run the way I want it to run. And the minute things are out of my control, I start freaking out. I might get angry. I might yell at people. I might cry. You know what that tells me? I'm not really trusting God. Here's the third sign that I, don't, that I doubt the Lordship of Christ. I only invest in things I can touch and see. I've got resources, time, money, focus, energy, all those resources. Some people, they never invest them in the invisible. What's the invisible? Things I can't see, things I can't touch. Things like, you know, the Great Commission or sharing my faith or being generous with someone. Man, there, this is a time, you know, I'm looking at other people that I feel like are in need and then I'm looking at myself and I'm like, maybe I'm kind of in need too. But what I want to do is trust that God is in control. And I want to let go of things and not have to have my hand on it. And so if, you, if, if any of that's true of you, you have any of those signs that you're doubting the Lordship of Christ, what's the solution to that? Here's the solution. I want you to write this down too. We pray, we pause, and listen. That's what we do. Pray, pause, and listen to what he's saying. See, it occurs to me that prayer time without getting still be still and know that I'm God. Prayer time without getting still and listening is like going to a restaurant. You got all hyped up for it. You got all, maybe it's a nice restaurant, let's just say. You got all dressed up for it. You got your family together. You went into the lobby. You had to wait on a table. You finally sat down. You're starving. Everybody around you is eating really nice food. You ordered your drink. You ordered your meal. You, you, and, and, and right before the meal shows up, you just went ahead and left. That's what prayer is like if you don't stop and wait listen to what he has to say. Have you ever thought that of all the hundreds of words you want to say to God, that maybe God wants to say a couple words back to you? Stop, pause, and listen. And when you do that, here's what happens. Psalm 46 and 10 tells us, be still and everybody say the next word and no. Everybody say no. Be still and know that I am God. That's the first thing that's going to happen. These are the last, I promise, last two points. You've got to write this down. Hang in here with me. When we get still in his presence, number one, we're going to know that he is God. <laughs> you're going to know. You're not going to have this doubt. You're not going to wonder, I've got to control this ship. I've got to handle my finances. No, no, I know that he's God. The old timers used to say it like this. I know that I know that I know that he is real. Some of you know that feeling like you're just convinced. And if you've ever gotten alone with God in a crisis time when all hell was breaking loose and you didn't have any solutions and all you had was God and you truly trusted in him, you found out he really is real. I know that I know he's real. See, there are people all around the world saying stuff right now like, you know, God can't be real. If he was, he'd wipe out coronavirus. God, if God was really real, he'd take care of all the children that are suffering and starving. And if I'm honest with you, I don't have the answers to all that stuff. But here's what I do know. I know that I know that I know I have felt him. I know that I have experienced him. I know he showed up in my life and I know he is real. There's a lot of things I don't know. That song came back to me last Sunday. Many things about tomorrow that I can't understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know he holds my hand. I know that I know that I know. 
I wish you felt that way. Some of you, man, the witness of the Holy Spirit is flying all over you. As I say, you're like, man, I know it. Others of you, it's foreign to you. And I'm telling you, you can get to this place. The apostle Paul suffered horribly, greatly. All he did was just decide he was going to give his life to Christ and he went through hell because of it. But he said these words, 2 Timothy 1 and 12, he said, I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Somebody say, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that if I give him my faith, he'll guard it. If I'll give him my hope, if I'll give him my finances, if I'll give him my health, if I'll give him my family, he can guard it better than I can. And I love that Paul said, I know who I believed. He didn't say, I know about who I'm believing in. He said, I know him. Let me ask you this question. Do you know him or do you know about him? That simple difference is all the difference in the world. God doesn't want you to know about him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him personally and intimately. And listen, this is the time to make that shift in your faith. This is the time. This is the time to get alone in a prayer closet and say, God, I'm not leaving this room until you talk to me. God, I'm not getting out of this book until some of these words come alive to me. Let me tell you, I've been there and he'll do it. He'll speak to you. Today's the day for you to go from religion to relationship. I don't want to know about him. I want to know him. Take a step of faith. Be like Peter walking out on the water. You don't know what's on the other side of the boat. I'm just leaving this boat. I've been in this boat long enough. It's sinking. I'm getting out of this religious boat. I'm going to meet him. He said, if you'll be still, you will know that I am God. And then it said, I will be exalted. Once you know him, once you get still in his presence, I will be exalted among the nations. And God says, I'll be exalted in the earth. Here's the last thing that will happen. When you get still in his presence, he is exalted around you. See, right now, coronavirus is exalted around you. All the press uh, conference uh, and, and, and latest breaking news is exalted. Fear is exalted. Anxiety is exalted. Financial worry, stress is exalted. But God wants to take over your mind and give you peace and confidence and boldness. He wants to supply you with a deep and abiding hope that can't be taken away. And we're not the first group of people. We're not the first person to try to have to trust when you don't know the answer. To try to just say it's going to be okay when it looks like your boat is about to flip over. To just say it's okay because God's God in this boat and God's God in the sea. Wherever I land, God's God. You're not the first person that had to try to say something like that in faith. The Apostle Paul, we read his words earlier. Man, he, he's beaten. He's lied on. He's thrown in prison wrongly. He loses his family, his home. He eventually is killed for his faith in God. And he said these words, Romans 8 and 38, he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, or any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. It sounds like he said everything but to say, not even coronavirus will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. 
Oh my goodness, I want want to say it one more time. I want you to get with me. Leave it on the screen, guys. For I'm convinced that neither, look at this long list of things that can't separate you from God, neither death nor life, angels or demons, things that are in the present or in the future, or any power we haven't even thought about, neither height nor depth nor anything in creation can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, praise him wherever you are right now. Listen, people who are people of the word are the strongest people in the world. People who are people of this book are the most dedicated people in the world. Listen to me. Tough times don't last, but tough people do. Tough people step back and say, I don't know what's coming in the future. I don't know what the next news is coming off that television. I don't know what the next thing is coming through my door. Here's what I do know, that when it gets here, God's going to be here with me. (laughs) That's the only thing that matters that you know you won't face it alone. There are a lot of people who want to you know, preach a gospel of all good news all the time. God's just always going to make it okay. God's going to make it right. It's always going to be good. You're always going to get more money than you had last year. Every check in the mail is going to come. That, that's not what Scripture supports. What Scripture does support is in good times and bad, the God you serve is able to care for you, to protect you, to take you to places heights you've never gone on your own, he will always be there. That's the hope you have today.